Hello, listeners. You're listening to Rabbit Troop Sucks. We're back. We did it. Yay. Today, we're even back with our friend, Lamar. I made it again. He's here. And I'm Paul, and next to me is Mike, and I'm introducing ourselves because we we, we failed to do that. Note number one. But today, we're going to look at 1992's sensational film, Free Jack, starring <laughs> director... Or starring, uh, by, directed by Jeff Murphy, who I did want to note to Lamar directly opening this, that he is the director of Under Siege 2. I don't know anything <laughs> else he did, but I just thought I need to note that specifically to Lamar. Under Siege 2? Yeah, yeah, I made a note of that, too. Um, that he also territory? directed, uh, yeah. yes, okay. uh, which I think is an underrated film. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, Under Siege is a great film, but it the sequel can't follow it. I think the sequel can follow it. Well, well, I think you just put Rabbit Troop sucks up to a dare of future movies of the obscure, forgotten, or you know, unsung about heroes that uh, Under Siege Two. What did you say, Mike? It was dark territory. Dark, ter- dark territory. <laughs> Looks like we might have to review this. It's Under Siege, but it's on a train this time. It is, which <laughs> is way less exciting. Unfor- I, unfortunately, I, this director died in his eighties in two thousand eighteen. Unfortunately. But- <laughs> I like Free Jack. I'm gonna go forward. I overall like Free Jack. Yeah, no, this movie was yeah, fine. I believe this director did um, Young Guns too. What? As well, wait, 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 someone should look that up right, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, check tell, this yeah, I'm gonna tell you super directly that I have a lot of Young Guns references throughout this. So, <laughs> okay. so that that is gonna tie a lot of things together for me. I think the, the director also was, you know, I don't know all the stages and levels of photography and direction, and I apologize. So if it's like master of direction and photography, are you saying he was yes, the director, he, he was the director of the yeah. Young Guns too? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. That Hell explains yeah. a lot of the um, connections I will, here. Yoo-hoo, I will make you famous. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. So, wow, that, I wish I had a highlighter because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of notes where I bring up Young Guns and Young Guns Apparel, where he looks like Billy the Kid's, like the character he plays in a more modern time. I'm also <laughs> going to make a lot of Blade Runner references throughout this that I kind of noticed specifically while watching this. This movie really wanted to be Blade Runner. I, I think that is almost verbatim the note. This movie is working hard to be Blade Runner, I think, around somewhere. That is crazy. Um, so we got the uh, <laughs> um, Young Guns 2, got the Under Siege 2, and Blade Runner references. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a kind of like a mashup of what's going on. I'll just open up with, you know, IMDb's uh, summary. Bounty hunters from the future transport a doomed race car driver to New York City in 2009, where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire. This movie starts off in 1991, and boy howdy does it ever. This movie was also released in 1992. Wait, is that really what IMDb has the synopsis as? Yeah. Because there is a huge spoiler in that synopsis. Of course. Yeah, great. (laughs) Okay. Now that I think about it, yeah, there is. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is information that you don't know until the third act of this movie. But this movie is... But you knew. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we all <laughs> assumed, but like it was played off as a mystery. This yeah. is one of those movies that you watch and it can't really be spoiled. It just kind of. It happens you, to you. You get the feel <laughs> of it uh, immediately. I wish I didn't say that when you followed up with that. <laughs> I, I definitely felt this movie. I didn't know this movie existed before a week ago. Yeah, this is something Mike and I talked about. I'm really actually excited about this kind of prospect of looking into movies. Because Mike texted me, we've been going through and compiling lists of what movies should we watch? What movie should we watch again? Um, are there movies you haven't seen? Mike texts me, have you seen this movie Free Jack? And my response overall is, yeah, have you not? No. 
And he's explaining that his girlfriend was watching it the night before. She explained that maybe you should watch this movie. I was excited because this is weird. We're all roughly the same age in this room. And the first time I ever saw this movie, 1992, I have to assume, and I'm pretty sure it was, one of my really good friends had a sleepover. And this is one of the two or three films we rented at Blockbuster or the local business. And I remember it was super weird. I have no idea how this did in the, uh, the theaters. I have no idea if this made money, but I always remember it had this futuristic cover and like at a blockbuster or whatever you got to see it and someone rented this and i absolutely have seen this movie a couple times in my life but it kind of makes sense so i was in the midwest at this point in time lamar would have been in colorado and mike where exactly would you have been so i was living in maine at the time um and so i i, I lived in the woods kind of like not i mean in, in a house not like with wolves um <laughs> but yeah i mean so i our the town that I lived in, like we had, there was no movie theater. There was a movie theater in the main town, which was a ways away. It was called the Lincoln theater. I think it still exists. They played two movies a week, one Friday showing and one Saturday showing just one movie at a time. So that that's not really a real thing. We didn't really have access to rent stuff. I didn't have like, we didn't have cable. Um, so there's this whole dead zone for me with, with movies and TV where from when I moved to Maine, you know, in the mid eighties, up until like the mid nineties when I was old enough to have like friends and, and go places that I just, it's like a black hole of media for me. There's just, there's this whole decade of movies that I'm not really familiar with because I didn't have access to them. It was definitely going beyond a decade. I actually love, you know, that Mike highlighted this to me when we're picking this movie because I think a lot of people could relate to this. Um, you know, we're going to look through directors and writers and how they highlighted, oh, like, I, you know, I rented movies and I watched movies, you know, late at night on USA Up All Night and, you know, these B-side things and it was a lot of fun. And that was a lot of my background, but not everyone had that. And I like that Mike is highlighting, like, yeah, we had these bigger movies that play sporadically or like once a week or whatever. So Mike is clearly always in the loop of, I know what this is. But I don't think this is ever going to happen going forward. It's almost like the definition of why this podcast exists. It's we found these movies that a lot of people haven't seen. Like maybe I saw this one, but there's others I haven't seen. Lamar has seen. Mike has seen. Vice versa. You know, a various triangle of who's seen it and who hasn't. And it's interesting because then, as I said, going forward, you have iTunes, you have Amazon. You could rent these movies ahead of time. I mean, after COVID, everything was you know, we're going to let you watch this movie for 20 or $30, or you could get it ahead of time, or you could get anything modern, like right now, um, legally and, and fine. But you know, we have seventies, eighties, nineties, 2000, 2010 movies that a lot of people are like, what the hell is any of this? <laughs> this is, um, uh, the movie year 1992. I believe this movie came out. Yeah. Um, I thought I knew my things about early nineties movies and late 80s movies i thought i saw them all but um i've never heard of this movie i'm until, glad i'm not alone no you're not um until you mentioned it and that's really bizarre because this is kind of a pseudo cyberpunk-esque movie yes it is i actually kind of like this movie i also do yeah definitely I'll, I'll talk more about that at the end when we kind of you know break the rest of it down but yeah i mean i i thought this movie was pretty solid cyberpunk is one of my uh genres i love to roll with and uh, I thought I had a list of all the 90s and 2000 cyberpunk movies that I watched, but apparently not. Um, Free Jack takes a lot from a lot of those movies and um, does more with it. Uh, I, and it has a big cast, too. I, oh, yeah. I have no mm -hmm. idea how this movie escaped my 
days at all. I and mean, that's been one of Lamar and I's bonding moments for decades. The love of cyberpunk. Absolutely. So the cyberpunk genre, you know, definitely has become maybe a little more popular with newer generations with the recent video game, which has clearly had its ups and downs as I've read. Dude, Shadowrun. Where my Shadowrun at? There we go. Uh, I mean, Shadowrun, anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, has, you know, sci-fi versions of it, Shadowrun is absolutely going to pop up and in the video game series. Yeah, Cyberpunk is awesome. It's kind of the integration of technology into one's own self and you know bio biology and the human makeup meets technology and then the future of it all and it definitely comes from a late 70s kind of early maybe at the latest mid 80s gaze where where would it all take place like what would 2009 look like and lamar's totally right that this is a cyberpunk version in in areas of what 2009 would look like Spoiler, 2009 did not look like any of this. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the aspects of cyberpunk of how 80s and 90s directors and writers look at it. So this movie um, was written in 92, but it's a look at what early 2000s would look like. And um, I just love the way directors handle it. Just, yeah, we're... 15 years into the future, it could be grimy, could be high tech, and just the mix of it makes for a very interesting scene. Yeah, it was all pretty constrained, too. Like, this movie definitely cribbed a lot from other things that I like, like, I mean, like um, Blade Runner, for example. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, so this, the movie, the movie takes place in 1991. That's what, that's when this is all happening. Or the like the the past of the movie, and then 2009. But so, so we're 18 years in the future, and things are just like, there's no flying cars or jetpacks or weird shit. It's just, it's kind of like a pretty reasonable assumption about what 18 years in the future would look like. It, it reminded me a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger's, you know, Stephen King's written work, uh, The Running Man, where uh, <laughs> because it, was, it was very diverse. It was like there's this high class versus very, very, very low class. It seemed like middle class almost was non-existent. That's fair. Running Man is not a movie I would describe as constrained. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, but with this, I mean, you definitely see the, the division in classes because people do help, you know, the main character later on. Because of this, there is right. actually a lot of people that support this. I will say to... to to go a little through, because we'll talk a lot about cyberpunk, the future. I'm going to mention Back to the Future 2 references mm -hmm. in this. This movie does one thing uh, that I really do not like. I don't know really where this stems for me myself, but this movie opens up. Uh, it's fine. Everything visual, um, panning, direction, cinematography, all fine. It opens up with this jazz sax solo <laughs> opening. Um, I am one of Neil Gaiman's biggest fans. And I don't know why, when he has directive and creative control, he thinks, let's just open this up with some jazz solos. Um, that's going to really get the kids involved. It's super weird. It's super dated. I, I just don't know what's going on. I have nothing to say negative against jazz or the saxophone. Just why are you doing this here? So you're not a sax man. Not in this instance. In, there's one scene, and I actually have a note about it, where they're walking through like a future <laughs> slum, and there is a man literally just playing a saxophone. Sometimes you got to lost boys your way through this with some guy <laughs> playing sax. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, the movie progressively gets much better for me, but that the opening sequence is one of those gut wrenching uh, uh, or shrug moments like, ah, uh, wait, let's move on. Well, sax solo. <laughs> I think what they're trying to say in this movie is that this sax music, this isn't 
incidental music to the soundtrack in the future at all points in time someone is playing a saxophone somewhere <laughs> where are the writers of south park we need futuristic doorbell sounds and we need futuristic sax sounds right. i don't in, know in the future the <laughs> there'll be a sax player on every street corner yeah. i think some of the uh sax music uh kind of when i hear it and when i see scenes like the opening scenes of this movie i feel kind of like they're trying to convey kind of loneliness kind of sorrow. I know it's just so overplayed it's like come on it was yeah. it really was I, I mean I honestly it's like I we we've all what I would say we all love horror and I think the way I want to phrase this is I've subjected each of these gentlemen to horror films and enough with the theremin we get it like unless you're some virtuoso don't pick up the theremin because no one wants to hear that that's kind of how I feel about the sax like why is that what stop it Stop what you're played doing. out and the saxophone I think is kind of played out as a beginner opener to a movie that that's fair it was a different time though also just side note I'm really proud of us we've talked like legitimately about this movie for over 10 minutes we haven't started drunkenly narrating it yet uh, yeah that's, that's a new that's a rabbit troop sucks record right that, there that, i was also gonna say that's really funny that mike said that i was like i'm gonna have mike move along the summary but i want to say one other thing <laughs> we're evolving we, we have a big cast going on as as lamar said that we have Emilio Estevez as alex oh. we have mick jagger Shout out to my aunt with Mick Jagger on this. Uh, Mick Jagger is just kind of the tops for me in this movie. Mick and Jagger I'm, is, I mean, we talk yeah, about sometimes who yes. the best actor is. It's not the dog in this movie. It's Mick Jagger. Yeah, it's got to be Mick Jagger. There are some there are some twists and turns, and I'm not even joking. I just, I legitimately like them. Shout out to my aunt. We get Anthony Hopkins, but we also get. <laughs> kind of. We also get Renee. We kind of. We also get actress Renee Russo. And I'm going to go totally on record. I think she is totally an unsung hero, and I can name several films that I love this actor in. Is one of them Tin Cup? <laughs> it is funny enough. It is not. I okay. was going to say I like her in this. I like her in uh, in the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. She is fantastic oh, yeah, that's, that's, in this. That's a good movie. And she's also in Lethal Weapon, and I really like her oh, character. Mm. And I'm actually going to highlight. Uh, my uh, how well she does that i don't think she needs anyone else they have in the 90s she was always linked with some kind of hunky male counterpart and i honestly think she never needed any of that and just could have had a movie on her own uh then you know mike brings up tin cup with kevin costner that i don't know i think she could have handled all of this she probably just got 90s every which way in this because uh, i actually really like her in this film as well i think she does a great job yeah she's Agreed. good on her own too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well, now so, we have to go to summary don't we? okay now yeah so okay let's get into this this movie um so it is there's a, it starts it kind of bounces back between 2009 and yeah, 1991 so, so, so I, I do want to make a side note there was a moment about five minutes into this film i just looked at michael lamar and said Wait, so Mike, you started watching about this movie about 10 minutes or so into it and stopped. He said, yeah. Lamar, you've not seen this movie. He said, yeah. I was like, okay, I just want to make a mental note of that. And one of the mental notes was, as Mike even said, like, I don't know what time it is. It is absolutely 1991. You see certain scenes. Rene Russo's waking up with Emilio Estevez. They're having fun. Then you see military. uh, And they're rolling up, led by Mick Jagger, etc., and there is no indication that there's a time difference. There's no indication of what's going on. It's one of the reasons it just seems super confusing that if you have not seen this movie, you would have no idea that two things are happening 18 years apart. 
and I'm going to reference everything Mick Jagger does. I think he's leading the Cobra army in G.I. Joe, how it's painted, how yeah. it looks. There's a lot of G.I. Joe stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's, so it, we, we were bouncing back and forth between 2009, where Mick Jagger, who is dressed like a space ball, is like <laughs> leading a convoy of future tanks. Um, to some unknown destination. And then we're bouncing back to 1991 where Emilio Estevez and Rene Russo are waking up in their apartment. It's clear that they're, they're having a relationship. Um, and it's, we're, we're finding out that he is a formula one race car driver, which as a fan of formula one racing, I have a lot of problems with how this was portrayed, but I'm not going to talk about that because no one cares, but he, <laughs> he is a formula one race car driver and he is getting ready for the, the big, the quote unquote big race. Um, and in, in between shots of him, like getting into the race car, getting prepared, we were cutting back to shots of, of Mick Jagger in, in the future tanks. And I don't know if this is because we watched, uh, Beverly Loughlin last week, but I cannot separate Mick Jagger's voice from Jermaine Clement. I have voice. that as a, I have that as a, as a note. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I have this as a note that sooner or later he sounded like Jermaine. And I just thought, what if Jermaine was Mick Jagger's father, and this is some weird timely. That story. would be great because I swear to you. So Mike and I, our last episode is an evening with Beverly Loughlin. Uh Jermaine from Flight of the Concords is in it, and hearing Mick Jagger, I cannot agree with you more. That right. is such an eerie thing that you said. <laughs> I thought it was the only one. I was like, people are going to be like, you can't no. hear accents apart. It sounds literally no, like Mick Jagger is a younger version of Jermaine. It's bizarre. I was expecting Mick Jagger to get frustrated and go feast on snacks at some point. <laughs> I'm going to go feast on snacks. Yeah, Mick Jagger has a slightly thinner voice. I don't mean that negatively. Uh, Jermaine has a slightly bassier voice, but they sound so similar. I have heard Mick Jagger talk many times. I've heard Mick Jagger sing many times. He normally does not sound like Jermaine. I, do, I, I need to see him out of this now. Like, what is happening? I, Mike, that's freaking me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it, it was it was really weird for me. Um, but so, yeah, they, they're, we're coming back and forth. The, the, the future truck convoy is driving. And, you know, we have scenes of uh, Emilio Estevez is like he's getting into the race car. He's talking to his agent, which is who is Buster Poindexter for some reason. Um, Wait, it, that person is David Johansson and it's Brad. And that that is oh. that is the ghost of Christmas past in Scrooge. He, he's good. He he's also the uh, if, if anyone's seen the Bill Murray Christmas special, he's the waiter. At the end oh, yeah. As well. <laughs> 80s, 80s uh, icon Buster Poindexter. Um so yeah, they're, they're getting ready for the race. And then back in the future, they're like, this future truck is loading up this. It looks like kind of like a big future coffin. I'm going to say future in the beginning of every. I, I, I have also written future crystal coffin later. Okay. And I'm going to make Perfect. a Voltron reference. So that's going to happen. Uh, and there, there's like a couple little subtle nods to the fact that they're in the future. They're in the same location. Um, there's a because they're at a racetrack in the present day in 1991 day and there's like an overpass that says nissan on it and you can see like the crumbled remains of that in the future and that's where they're raising this future coffin um and without getting you know to cut a lot of the the dead wood out of this basically emilio estevez is in this formula one race and he gets into an accident and his car flies up into the air crashes into this bridge and explodes let's talk about the crash too he somehow puts his front tire on the back tire of another car and then leapfrogs or launches on top of that car so many feet high into it's, a bridge. So it's, it's, you say that incredulously, but again, <laughs> I'm a big F1 fan in the race in Silverstone last week, 
almost exactly what happened in this movie happened. Into some kind of bridge-like area? Is there an overpass so situation? So this car got yeeted into the air and like <laughs> flew and got stuck between two walls. Um, there is a, a recent safety measure in Formula One called the Halo, which is a piece on cars that was regulated in like 40 years ago. We would have had a death uh, last wow. weekend were it not for this piece of oh, safety wow. equipment. Anyway, so also, like... Also, we wow. wouldn't have a death. That person would have been... No, free, they would have free-jacked free him. Free yeah, free-jacked free jacked him. Right the fuck out of here. Uh, so uh, that's, that's like a dumb thing that no one cares about. But my point is like what happened in the movie is not completely improbable like in the world of car racing. Um, there were not at a Formula One track and those were not Formula One cars, but that's... I'm going to not going to get into that. Was this a... Were these Indy cars or F1 cars? So the, the technics... Strictly speaking, they were Formula Atlantic cars, uh, which is kind of like a, a lower-tiered, open-wheeled car. They still use them today for, like, spec racing. Um, but, it, yeah. It, and it, presumably this race was in New York because they left their apartment in New York to go to this race that day. There's never been an F1 race in New York. They, at this time, it would have been in Arizona. Anyway, nerd stuff. In, in, in the film... <laughs> We are then brought to the future, 2009, a year later, made aware of exactly the time, plays all these things, or maybe you're told right. before, I don't know, mystery, but we, we figure it out. So uh, Emilio Estevez wakes up basically in some kind of medical unit truck. Right. The future coffin was something that like locked onto his space-time coordinates and nipped him from the future right at the moment before his death. Right. And so there's a reason people want his body. We kind of, uh, and I address this, which is a big spoiler, as Mike noted with the IMDb summary. I mean, that's kind of more of a mystery, but you, you pretty much, you, you know, right. Again, Once you get into the movie, yeah, you, you understand, know. but like, yeah, they, you don't know who wants his body. It's a mystery. And then, so, uh, the doctors are working on Emilio Estevez. I know I had a quote here and I'm putting my notes closer to me and the doctor gets a pulse, you know, they're, you know, zapping him in and he says, I wouldn't want to dance to it, but that's a pulse. Uh -huh. And so we got a ragtag crew of doctors and then all of a sudden they're being attacked. And this is something I wanted to note in this film. So the, this like medical crew is being attacked and uh, it is being led by Mick Jagger's character. I think his name is Victor, and I don't think it's ever really said that. Everyone has like these full names, and everyone has you know. They short use his last name names. a lot, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, and so I'm just gonna say Mick Jagger because mm -hmm. damn it, there, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's Mick. Well, welcome to the club of never using anyone's real name. It's also just Mick Jagger. Come on, it's it, just, is, it could yeah. be Mick Jagger in the Mick Jagger in the future, and that's just gonna be fine with all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. He's leading this and he's like, well, you know, we're not going to stop until we get to these like uh, safe coordinates and these areas, you know, the this crew can't fight us. There is apparently a resistance in the future. This is never really defined. Well, they, they do explain where these people came from later on in the movie. They do, but it's just really back and forth. And yeah. who exactly these people are? What are they doing? I mean, this this would be. Actually, one of my biggest criticism criticisms of the film, but it's not me saying don't watch it. It's they should have fleshed this out a little more. It could have been kind of cool that you got a little more of this backstory. They really should have worked on this. And I thought this would have made this movie hold up a little more. But whatever. The rest of the movie, I actually have a lot of fun. So basically, it's let's flesh out the resistance and let's drop the jazz introduction. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean with the um, just kind of how they present how this scene goes it's more of you know who these guys are but you don't know what they're doing and you really don't know what anyone's doing but you kind of get it 
but uh, the spoiler is coming a little later. And when you're watching this movie at first, you kind of piece it together in your mind, but you really don't know what's going on. Yeah, the first bit of this movie, there's no like surrogate character. Like you're finding things out as Emilio Estevez is. There's no one's explaining it to you. Yeah, so he he wakes up in the coffin. The doctors who revive him realize that he still has his memory, which was apparently not supposed to happen. So they come at him with this medical device, which it looks like the gravity gun from Half-Life, which is supposed to be like a precise lobotomization instrument. But it it, it just has this like this weird rotating electric finger. Yeah, blue shocker. Yeah, blue shocker. And like Emilio figures out what's going on and he like starts zapping people with it like it's a ray gun. It's almost not that he figures what's going on. It's just, I don't want to be electric. Right, yeah, he just, thing. he just, is. it's pure natural reaction. <laughs> so, yeah, then the, the resistance starts, like, throwing Molotovs at him. Um, the convoy gets fucked. Uh, there's a hole blown in the, in the coffin truck, and Emilio escapes. And Mick Jagger sees this and says, I was going to do an accent, but I'm not going to. Um, he's, he's, get the meat. <laughs> I, I also wrote that, yeah. get the meat. <laughs> um which is one of the fun ways he refers to Emilio Estevez in this. Then Emilio uh, gets away and he manages to like hail a taxi cab somehow. And this is the most realistic part of this movie for me. The taxi cab driver sees this guy wearing like racing overalls from 20 years ago. And is like, I think you should probably pay ahead of time. Yeah. He nabs his quote unquote antique, his, watch his antique watch. Payment. Like his, yes, his 20 year old watch is an antique at this point. Um, uh, and then like they're, they're driving somewhere. He gives them coordinates coordinates. He gives them the address of his old apartment. Yeah. But like hijackers come and try to get the cab and he's well, like hijackers or bone jackers. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll later learn bone jackers. <laughs> so the, the cab driver's like, you son of a bitch. And you know, Emilio Suez jumps out of the car, cab driver shooting at him probably in, in, you know, to signal, Hey, I didn't know this either. Hey, bone jackers. Like, yeah, it's not, I wasn't in on this. Don't, I'm, yeah, don't I'm getting me. bone jacked too. So Emilio Estevez immediately goes back to, uh, where he lived with Rene Russo's character, Julie. And, um, <laughs> he, he encounters a couple and well, wait, so, wait, before he encounters the couple to get into the building, he knocks on the door and a man named Jose answers. <laughs> and he's like, Jose, it's me. And he's like, yeah, it is. And he lets him in. And Jose is never mentioned again. They don't explain why he knows who this person is. Uh, 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 also, uh, Emilio Vazquez gets in many rooms and doors pretty much freely. And, yeah, he's walking around. And so, sometimes it's addressed. He's um, exploring the space. So he basically gets to this couple and they're like, who are you? You're a crazy person. Like, no, I, I live here. What are you talking about? And he keeps saying Julie's full name. And this woman of the couple says, Oh, she sold us this place years ago. He's like, that can't happen. You know, I was just here. That was yesterday. And all of a sudden they're like, oh God. You're he, a bone jacker. No, no, he's a free jack. Oh, you're a free jacker. <laughs> he's a free jack. So we finally found out. Yeah. And I also want to note, once that is said, you're a free jack. Every, every three words. Well, also Emilio Estevez has full understanding of the last 18 years who he is and what exactly is going on in this situation. Yeah, we definitely missed like, the. He comes, yeah, he comes to grips with it real quickly. Well, well, he gets it explained to him in more detail in the next scene. Yeah, this scene just seems to just kind of know, just like they yeah. told him he's a free jack, and and he's like something fuck. lights up in him, like oh, all this information is, it's just new to me now and i'm just processing it immediately and everything's cool well he's he's okay well he goes to this tower to see renee russo and that's what mike's saying that it is you know kind of thoroughly explained but he also explains it to renee russo 
you know, I'm this free Jack. Like the way he's explaining his situation is just like, all right, I fully understand what's going on. So I've been warped from the future. Like no shock in any of this. Just no. like, Hey, well, I, got, I got a free Jack. He doesn't <laughs> know he's been warped from the future yet. He gets that explained to him later. We're getting ahead of ourselves. That's yeah. true. Also, just, I, got a fr- I got free Jack. They took me to the future. <laughs> he is adjusting to his future. Um, he's, 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 he's free jacking. <laughs> so a side note, and this for uh, listeners at home, this is not for you. I, I skipped a page in my notebook, you guys. This is the saddest thing ever. So oh. I just have two dead pages oh, here. That's, that is not part of Use my that MCD that these, I want to deal with. These pages got free jacked. <laughs> There's a lot of for free, another movie. You know, yeah. A lot of future theft going on. So yeah, so he, he, you know, the the couple at the door says he's a free jack, and he goes, "Oh shit, you're probably right." And he he pieces out, and now we we cut to uh, oh, that's right. We cut to rich people tower, and we have Professor Buzz Hickey from Community. What's his What's his name? Johnson. Either in the movie or in real life, uh, I don't know. Jonathan Banks. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Banks. So he's also Mike from. Uh, from Breaking that, Bad, that really threw me off because I'd never seen him in anything else. I've never maybe yeah. really seen him in Community. In Community, we um, mentioned Community almost every episode. Oh, well, I love that show. <laughs> yeah, so so Buzz Hickey's here. He he looks like a sad dog all the time. Like his eyes are droopy, um, and he he's not happy about what's going down. We don't really know why yet. He's in a room with some other like suit, and they're talking about like oh the the free Jack got away. Um, and they're, you know, they're talking to someone kind of off in the distance. Like maybe, maybe you just want to use a different body. And it's like, it, it, it's like Darth Vader talking to the emperor. He's just like, there's like a guy in a cloak with no face. But the cloak and going back to star Wars is like the weird anteater cloaked creature that tells the empire that Han Solo is leaving in the original new hope. It's like some little like me, 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 me. He's running around and he tells like the stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, it does, it, yeah, it, it looks it like, that. Look like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and th- but then then th- this this cloak guy is like, I don't want I don't want an any body. I want that body. And then when he says that in a voice that we've never heard in this movie and we'll never hear again, it flashes to Emilio Estevez's face in the cloak. Yeah. So you're going to see a picture of that on our Instagram. So take that rabbit troop sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That we, I, I made sure of that. Yeah. That that's right. I, Cause I was skipping scenes that yes, we'll, yeah. we'll eventually get to Renee Russo. We'll get to Renee Russo. But yeah. Then we, then we see, uh, Jonathan Banks talking to Mick Jagger and there's basically, I'm just going to skip this really quick outside of there's just an array of Fabergé eggs and uh, Mick Jagger. Yeah. Did he break one of them? I couldn't really tell what he did. He's toying with it. Ha ha ha. I take it off your desk. And then he throws it to Jonathan Banks and because he catches it the way he does, it breaks. And I wrote on the side, like that must've been hundreds of millions of dollars in 2009. So Buzzick, he has like, I think he has four Fabergé eggs. So he has like, a billion dollars worth of trinkets on his desk as one does. Um, so yeah, now, now we cut to Emilio Estevez waking up in a church. I don't think we saw him go into one, Nope. but he wakes up in one as one does. And there is a nun with a shotgun. It is Amanda Plummer that most people will recognize from Pulp Fiction where it's, I love you, honey bunny. Mm -hmm. And that is honey bunny. And she, she is actually my favorite side character of the entire. She she does a good job. That's awesome. Um, And so she kind of explains to Emilio what is going on, yeah. why he's a free Jack, what that means. I want to use this terminology because they use this back and forth. Like we're watching Johnny mnemonic or some kind of like hybrid of spirituality meets, you know, technology, final fantasy fans out there. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. She is highlighting that as a free Jack, that he is a 
human being that is going to be uploaded onto a spiritual switchboard and has been, and they're basically going to do a what he thinks is a brain transplant. And she's like, no, no, no. Think of it more as a mind transplant. She is alluding to the internet every which way. It's 1992 when this movie is released. It's clearly the internet. It's all Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic tried to fix this. It didn't. No. I love you, Keanu Reeves, no, it but it didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. So she's explaining this, uh, and he's he's getting it. He's like, okay, so like they, they nab me through time so that some rich dingleberry can put his mind into my body. And more, that's kind of explained a little bit more later. Um, but the, the nun is, Honey Bunny is like, just really on board with everything that's going on. She gives, she gives Emilio Estevez his, uh, rough riders outfit. Let me go right now. Blade Rider reference, maybe 10. He is, I wrote, he is dressed like Decker. If someone was trying to dress like him for Halloween, he's dressed like Decker. If someone went to Coles today and tried to put that outfit. Yes. Together. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like on a budget. Yeah, someone's like, right. I'm yeah. going to dress my 12 year old, like this Blade Runner character on a $25 budget. Right. This, this is like the costume that your mom puts together <laughs> and, and you put it on. You're like this I, mom, this is a lame Decker outfit. She's like, I slaved away all day on this. Mm -hmm. um, and, we, and we find out through the internet, the internets, that uh, his old friend, you know, we can't find Rene Russo's character, Julie, but we do find Brad, and that was uh, the guy from Scrooge. Buster Poindexter. Yep. And who's living in Sector 7, which is told. Uh, it's, it's the worst part. Yeah, so like, you thought this sector, this sector was bad, like, quote unquote sector, which you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. The next one is going to be hell on earth. Yeah. So the, he, he finds Buster Poindexter and Buster Poindexter recognizes him immediately. Um, he's like, Hey, I knew they free jacked you. As soon as I found out what free jacking yeah, was. I also know that. Yeah. Like, so he gets to this apartment complex, pulls a gun on him, sees who he is and just immediately, immediately 18 years after the fact, you're my buddy. I recognize you. I knew they free jacked you. I knew it the whole time. Great. Welcome back, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he kind of elaborates. He's like, you know, cause this was his agent and his friend. He's like, after the wreckage, like I, I they wouldn't pay your insurance policy cause they couldn't find a you body. Sure. Racers. Yeah. Like, mm. well, I'm sure everyone, cause I'm a big piece of shit. I mean, <laughs> but, but like, honestly, I'm sure, I'm sure that every race car driver is insured. Uh, but we do find like, out he is a big piece of shit. I also have insurance. I'm sure most people do. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he's definitely a big piece of shit. So yeah, he's like, you know, as soon as I found out what free jacking was, I figured that's what they did to you. I've been waiting for you to show up kind of, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. <laughs> and, and, and so like he takes him into his shitty apartment in sector seven and, and Emilio is like, bro, your apartment fucking oh, sucks yeah. ass. Actually, oh, I love this yeah. apartment. Mike can explain it to you. This, yeah, I this, love this apartment as this well. This apartment is Every teenage boy's dream in the world. Well, so like he's in the first dummy apartment. That's what I'm saying. And then so he takes him to a back room and like under a layer of cool cigarette crates, <laughs> there's like a fake wall that leads to like the dope. Yeah. So you're in apartment. this trash room and that's what I'm saying. Like it's a secret layer. It's yeah. every like, and I mean like teenage boy, like 13 year old boys, like I will own a secret layer. He's like, you think I live here? You got to protect yourself. Yeah, as Mike says, like it's a cigarette crate wall. He pushes it down into this really nice secret apartment that has, you know, leather couches, like food, snacks, right. a cool view, a right. huge TV. And it's he, like he's wearing rags, but then he puts on like a dope smoking yeah. jacket and he's in, in his cool apartment. And he and they're doing shots of weird blue liquor. 
Yeah, Blue Liquor. This episode of Robert Troop Sucks has been brought to you by Blue Liquor. I'm drinking it now. <laughs> Gross. Blue Liquor. And living. He's it. also was swishing it down with blue milk from Star Wars. And you know where that comes from. Thank you, that yeah. director. Uh, no. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. I don't want that. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. Uh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh God! Um, so yeah, they're you know they're they're catching up now. We're now we cut back to uh, thank you. We're we're back to Renee Russo, and she's doing like she's a big time business person now. Because in the future, she's made it, and she's in a room with with Buzz Hickey and like some other bros and some Japanese people, and Buzz Hickey's like kind of giving her shit about something, and she kind of defies him and speaks to the the other the big wigs in Japanese, and he can't understand, and and the deal gets done. And he's like, you got the deal done without me or something. I don't know. This seems stupid. It also seems weird that Rene Russo is just like even working with his people. It's like super coincidental that right, you, know, you yeah, go into yeah. the future and all of a sudden it's like, oh, uh, you know. Uh, but that that's explained also. Like, like, oh, like Elon Musk is like, you know, working with your wife. You're like, what? Yeah. Like, uh, out of anyone in the world, your wife is now working with Elon Musk. Right. I do want to note one thing, though, that uh, Ghost of Christmas Pass uh Poindexter hi- does highlight in direct detail before we get to that Rene Russo scene that he does explain how free jacking works and it's oh yeah time space there's just some coordinates you know there's still a bunch of stuff that exists but they pretty much got it oh, and that yes. is the best scientific explanation that oh, yeah. you're gonna get in that film he's like yeah they're they're still kind of muddy on the details but they pretty much got yeah, it free jacking yeah they're, they're just free jacking all over nice way to cover up <laughs> yeah. all the technical details who hasn't been right so after after the business deal goes down, uh, Renee Russo gets into her. I don't know if she gets into her limo. There's a lot of limo scenes, but she she calls someone on the screen on like the the Zoom call, and it's Sir Anthony Hopkins, who apparently only agreed to do this movie if he could do it from his house and never be around anyone pre COVID. His guy's a genius. Yeah, because we like, predicted the future. Liter- I don't think he literally has a scene where he's with another actor. Like he only appears on camera, like from his living room. No, at the yes. very end, it would have to be filmed with him, Rene Russo, and Emilio Estevez. But um, like for thirty seconds, yeah, totally. He, so, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins was like, "I'll be in your piece of shit, McJagger movie there for lunch." But yeah, like you have me for for five hours. You're so, like, I want figs and brie on yeah. the sandwich. But this is it. Um, and I don't know what they talk about, but it doesn't really matter. Um, oh, we also noted as a group. Rene Russo is supposed to be aged 18 years. Oh, she looks amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rene Russo looks fantastic all throughout this film. Like from 2000, or, or I'm sorry, from 1991 to 2009, mm. she has maybe aged. Not at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> like a day. <laughs> well, so, I mean, clearly this is before like any kind of computer they, they aging. Made, yeah, they made like one gray hair. Like, I don't right. even think they did that. Like, it was, it was, it was a poor attempt. And honestly, good for you, Renee Russo. No, you totally. shut that down quick. No, yeah, she's rocking it. But yeah, like they We're made age you. Nope. They made no effort to make her look younger in the flashback scenes and zero effort to make her look older in the regular scenes. Totally. Like, like this is what Renee Russo looks like. You guys can fuck yourselves. So I'm gonna be it's you're fun. gonna be, send this contract where we age you in this makeup. I'm gonna sign this contract where you could go to hell. <laughs> like, all right, we're still gonna hire I you. I think that's how those negotiations nice. Good job, Renee Russo. Um <laughs> so now now we've got uh we've got Emilio Estevez and Buster Poindexter and they're going to like some kind of shitty diner uh 
And because Buster Point Dexter is like, I know where she, I can, I can call her. Like, we're going to get in touch with her. Also, as they're walking down the street, as they are together, this is my Young Guns reference. So okay. that's awesome that Lamar found out his Young Guns too. They're both wearing caps. So Buster Point Dexter is wearing a Newsies cap. And mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez is straight up wearing, wearing like, a cap from New- Young yeah, Guns Yeah, he's wearing too. like a cowboy. Like, it would not surprise me if we looked up trivia that that was literally the same hat. Mm-hmm. There's there's no way. I'm also, thinking, I'm thinking there's a connection there. There might be. As, as they're walking down the street, they pass a triple X theater. Did you see what the movie that was playing was? <laughs> no, what was it? I was trying to grab. <laughs> also, it's like Mardi Gras, like permanently. Like that's our future. Like yeah. topless women, like motorbikes. Everyone oh, yeah. can do whatever. It's, it's bonkers on the street. There were two movies. I didn't catch the second one, but the first one was called Checks in the Mail. But like check is in the country and mail is like a dude. Ah, oh, that is just beautiful. And, and nice. you, you know what that's about. That's going to be a movie. Maybe we cover as a mini. Maybe. I, and, I, and and it, it is at this point in time that we're seeing this like new future and going down. Again, I wrote this movie wants to be Blade Runner. This movie does want to be Blade Runner, but like, I mean, who doesn't? So I'm not going to blame the movie. That's it, not a bad movie. The mm-hmm. one thing that, that differentiates this movie between Blade Runner is it's not raining in this movie, and it is always raining in Blade Runner. That's and there's there's just, less yeah. Japanese. This movie was the sunny version of Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go into this diner, um, and so it. Buster goes to call the. He goes to call. Oh, they want to call Renee Russo. They want to call Renee Russo. I'll call her. He's like, I'll call her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like these phones in the future, man. You don't get it. Like they watch you, they hear you. Like it'd be weird. They're looking for you. There was a scene that we kind of glossed over where uh, Mick Jagger like mentions to his little henchman that they've like uploaded him into the the control grid or whatever. So if he ever gets seen on camera, gets recorded on a phone, like they can pinpoint his location and Buster point extra presumably knows this. So he's like, don't talk on the phone. They'll find you. But he rats him the fuck out. Oh shit. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a crap move. I was like, Oh man. But you know, uh, this dude's gunned down pretty quickly. This is when, uh, is it mechanless? It's like his corporation. That's right. They're yeah. sending, you know, these guards in. I keep referencing that they look like blue Cobra troopers from G.I. Joe. Yeah. And they run in. They gun down some people. You know, there's like exchanges with other diners and stuff, but they're they're all pretty much dead. And then, I mean, Milo Esfes just basically bolts. Yeah, he just books it. Uh Buster Point Dexter gets shot. Sadly, he gets shot not by one of the Cobra commanders. He gets shot by like a random guy who oh. who he spilled the soup of. Yeah, uh, which he also took his food to begin with. There's a whole situation. Yeah, that was. But, I mean, but it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, Emilio just just fucking books it. Yeah, and he he does he does uh, the Star Wars trash compactor move. He takes a huge pole. He gets outside. He takes this huge pole that he finds and oh, yeah. wedges it between like a stairwell and the door, and then and the uh, the cobra guards uh, cannot get out, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, and so now now we've got Renee Russo. She's coming home from work in her sweet future limousine, where it's like an old timey limousine where the, like the driver sits outside for some reason, and she's it looks like a big dead raccoon kind of. Um, Anyway, so she she gets home her while, dri- while Emilio Estevez is kind of driving to this area. Like right, but we, we don't really way. we don't really see that. So she gets home, and then Emilio is inside her house in her bathroom. In her bathroom, that, that's oh, yeah. the first place he yeah, went. She's to. pretty freaked out. Uh, you know, you don't want people popping out in your bathroom. So that's that's kind of weird. Right. Then they get in a tussle all down a stairwell, and he throws her to a couch, and he's like, "Hey, like you don't understand, like." Uh, you gave me this necklace, which was shown in the beginning. Like, remember my last race? You gave me this necklace. I mean, if someone told me that, like, remember 18 years ago as a throwaway moment, <laughs> you gave me a necklace? I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, so but, she thinks that, 
that the person talking to her right now is the person who did the free jacking. Yes, she is aware of the free jacking process and thinks someone did this. You're not really this person, but you're in his body. I know this is possible. This is in the realm of reality for me, but I just don't really know who you are. He's trying to convince her. But uh, she, then uh, Mick Jagger's character rolls up. And then uh, he, Emilio Estevez, has to run. But through a series of events, you can even see in Renee Russo's eyes, she's like, wait a minute, this is weird. Why is this guy here? Yeah, the, the minute maybe something's not the minute right. Mick Jagger busts in, she kind of figures out what's going on um, and how. Because one of the reasons she thinks that uh, Emilio Estevez is not legit is she asks the security system if anyone. Uh, yeah. entered the apartment and the security system is like no so she's like well you must have broken in so actually I, I do want to hand it to the writing of this movie I actually wrote a side note how would he even get into this future house there's a lot of security it is honestly answered a yeah, little yeah. bit later in the film and I thought oh my god like that's kind of a, a cool throwback because this is a question I had that you're in the, this high tech future he's just walking into apartments but there's a setup there's a mystery there is a little setup Um, so yeah, so she kind of when when Mick Jagger busts in with his spaceballs. So Mick Jagger's bone jackers all are dressed like spaceballs, <laughs> and all of the actual police are dressed like Cobra commanders. I noted that a lot of the the people on Mick Jagger. No wait, the Cobra people. There's other scenes that if you two remember Laser Tag, mm -hmm. there was a rival company which is Photon, okay. and it looks like the Photon helmets, especially Lamar, do you know what I'm talking about? It sounds familiar, I think I know what you're talking about. We were at some place as a vacation, my brother and I, and it was a cool, like, all of a sudden you could play Photon, you could either get to the floor, or shoot people from, you know, like a bridge up top, and we did the bridge up top. And I remember it was just always like the B-side game. I thought it was cool, but I was like, wow, these people are wearing photon helmets spray-painted. They, they very well may have been. It's the like in, in Mario Brothers, the movie, they have the like, Super Scope 6, and they <laughs> just clearly spray-painted black or something. I mean, it was, That's it was, exactly yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of like right. this. But yeah, yeah so Emilio Vestuas, you know, escapes... Uh, I do. I would do want to know the camera angle is kind of weird. I was like, "What the hell vehicle is he driving?" I wrote, "Is he driving a drink bus?" And if you come to Colorado, you have plenty of drink buses where you get to paddle your own bus around. Dude, or I, fucking, dress. I, I hate the drink buses. <laughs> People are drunk on the drink bus. You're gonna get it's it's an officially sanctioned. It, it's 20 drunk drivers controlling <laughs> one vehicle together. I don't know how this is legal. But yeah, no. So, but, but it's not. Then, then you see it's more of like the van with like a, like a back compartment, and it's the champagne right. delivery It's like cart. a champagne delivery truck. And so this is kind of a fun, I don't know, in, in this future, there's like a weird mix of like old cars and future cars, which is probably accurate because, I mean, there's still like cars I, I drive a 20 year old car presently so and there you know there's a span of years yeah. of cars if you do live in colorado mike drives a model t i drive a model t and he's known for that um I, I i have a little deuce coupe that's how i get to work um, he just pops right out of it starts hula hooping and i do yeah when i in my free time i i, I chase a, a hoop down the road with a stick and i, and I play jacks because i'm 150 years old yeah um, also a horse and buggy which is also another <laughs> mode of transportation that they are using in this they did show that the they did, yeah, like, yeah. Well, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, take our future bus, take our future taxi. There's right. a future taxi. The I, I, I'm not going to knock how dated this is, but at one point down, they showed a future taxi, and it looked like a rickshaw, and it was <laughs> so it looked like in real life what they tried to pass off as a future taxi that a man had a molded cast on his chest. That looked like a taxi, but really he was running like a rickshaw and pulling behind him a taxi wagon. Right. It 
that is not the future that I want. That well, is not for me. So uh, th- re- referencing back to earlier, the, the taxi that Emilio Estevez gets in when he escapes from the, the bone coffin is like a 1950s. It looks like cat. it's from Scrooge. Right, it, it looks like it's from Scrooge. Um, and then the, the champagne truck that he steals is like a 1980 Ford F-150 with like a wooden shack on the back <laughs> of it that is housing a bunch of champagne bottles. Um, but it also has a laptop in it that Mick oh Jagger God, the Im- laptop, the laptop Mick Jagger oh, immediately hacks into the laptop and there's a chase that ensues while Mick Jagger and Emilio Estevez are just like quipping back and forth. And the best um, part of this is Emilio Estevez shuts the laptop, like shuts <laughs> and Emilio and then Mick Jagger, you see this pan scene to him. He looks like he's driving a red Cobra vehicle. It's like hits. a sports tank. Basically. It's, yeah, it's totally a red tank that Cobra commander would give you. And he hacks in just like Mike said, and it comically opens up. Imagine like shut the laptop, open the laptop. Yeah. Emilio cannot close his own. Yeah. So, so he could spring load that laptop open at any point in time. And he keeps saying like, Oh, like I, you think I can't talk in the dark or whatever. It just keeps opening, closing, opening, closing. It's right. And so the the two, (laughs) as this high speed chase is going on between future tank and like a 30 year old pickup truck, they're just back and forth like Emilio Estevez like someone jumps on and he rams him into like a wall he's like never pick up hitchhikers yeah I also um, want to note this is a heavy foreshadowing foreshadowing into events I would have never seen this is the budding moments of a friendship between Mick yeah, Jagger and yeah. Emilio Estevez that Emilio Estevez tries to shrug off for the rest of the movie but Mick Jagger's like dude we're totally besties here. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how this starts, but no, this no. is a thread through they're, the rest they're, of the They're film. bonding. <laughs> um, at, at one point, Emilio Estevez says, you couldn't catch the clap in a whorehouse and then laughs at his own joke very loudly. <laughs> yeah. That was a good time. Yeah. And then, and then he says to Mick Jagger, how am I doing? And Mick Jagger goes, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> one of the first times that they actually meet where they're just talking back and forth. And like you said, yeah, they're bros. Friendship they're bros now. They, friendship is happening. There's here. a respect there. I try to kill you, and when this the culmination of this is we get to a bridge where <laughs> Mick Jagger's like, whoa, you can't get past this. And Emilio Estevez opens the door and just j- jumps off what looks like the Brooklyn Bridge. And then it appears to be some kind of sewage, or there's a, you know, it's all toxic. He right. says something like, uh, if you drink any of that. Uh, like, like, like I'm out of a job. I mean, right. like indicating that like the river is so polluted that if he inhales any of that water, he's gonna he's gonna die. We record these podcasts usually pretty late at night, and I think we need to come up with like a new measuring stick for how the quality is going to be, how coherent we are. And tonight, I, I noticed as we were just uh, refilling our drinks, um, I'm going to crack one open right now. Uh, tonight is a full, what I'm going to call a full bottle podcast, where as we, as a trio, we have gone through a entire bottle of unnamed alcohol. I noticed that. It can be named. It can be named with a sponsor. Tin, tin cup, Colorado whiskey that I, that I don't believe is made in Colorado. I I was, I was told that it was partially the, the water was from Colorado. I've heard that as well, but I also don't believe that they're like carting water to wherever they're making this. If you get free jacked, I believe in it. Are they free jacking the water right, right out of Colorado? Uh, Mick Jagger has a truck underneath the waterfall in Colorado and he pulls a lever and the water gets transported to like Kentucky or wherever they're making this. But anyway, tin, tin cup, uh, American bourbon, frontier bourbon. Oh, wait, is, or is that is bullet frontier bourbon? That's bullet. It's bullet. 
um, bullet. You said you said blank alcohol. Bullet this, or tin cup. Yeah, you're giving uh, them too much credit. If you want us to continue these conversations, you could reach out to us and be like, hey. Yeah, if you are a representative for a moderately priced brown liquor, uh, get in contact with the Rabbit Troop Sucks. We'll drink it. We'll, you you we'll double dip with the sponsorship and it's, then you, you know, just whatever. went full broad. With well, we, we have a bottle of bullet right next to that bottle oh, of Tinko. that's true. That's right. And if this if this podcast goes any longer, we're going to have to break into oh, that. Damn. This could be a two-bottle podcast. <laughs> oh, man. And that's when that's when you have to turn us off because no one knows. No one knows what we're going to be saying. That's when you're in like hour 15. <laughs> We watch the Lord of the Rings extended. This is, yeah, this is the ex, this is the director's cut of this podcast. Um, so anyway, let's just let's just get back into it. Yeah. Okay, so Emilio Estevez jumped uh, you know into some kind of river. He jumps into a river. Pop out. He he he's there and, and he, we he get pumps some, out. Yeah, we, we get some. I can't remember what he's listed as, and I have it written down somewhere. Uh, some eagle guy. I yeah, think. He, uh, eagle oh, yes. eagle guy. I have notes about this guy. Eagle guy. Eagle guy's weird. So yeah, there's a guy. He he climbs up onto a dock, and there's eagle guy is sitting on the dock. We'll we'll get to why he's called eagle guy later. Um, and this man is eating a rat. Well, you it doesn't look like a rat. It just looks like a plate of meat. Um, it didn't look bad. It's you know no, it looked, it looked all right. I was making some barbecue. Look, looks I'm like barbecue. Down. Um, and he's like, you look like shit, bro. Um, <laughs> are you hungry? Do you want some of this? And Amelia's like, yeah, I, I guess. What are you eating? He's like, oh, it's it's dock rat. He's like, no, I don't. I don't think I want Doc Rat. He's like, no, no, it's great. It's all I mean, about the sauce. You got to have the right sauce for the Doc Rat. Sauce is also like really put off specifically. Like, how could it be Doc Rat? No, like, it was, like, it was River Rat. River, river rat. rat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, okay. it was like, yeah. How could it be River Rat? Like, like, like he looked at him longingly with this weird. I've had years of experience, and only certain people would eat river rat. Right. I don't like, know what what's going ordinary on. Ordinary rat is different, but not river rat. So then this guy goes in. He. I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. But this guy, eagle guy, goes into this weird eagle metaphor and about life and what's going on with Emilio Estevez. America and eagles. America and, and eagles. And <laughs> he's talking about like an eagle flying home to like his family or whatever. Yeah, and God. the one quote that I wrote down from this in my notes is, and this is narrated by the eagle. It's like, what the fuck? It's a drag being an eagle. <laughs> and and th this was about the eagle giving up, and I think then the eagle flew into the ground and killed himself. But he wouldn't do that. I mean, that was the turn. Like, but it would never happen, and that's America. <laughs> yeah. So he he goes into this weird metaphor about America and eagles, and like just tough and with it. Um, and Emilio Estevez is like, okay, bro, this is weird. And then Eagle Guy refers to him by name. He says. Uh, you ain't beat yet, Furlong. Furlong, I don't know if any of us have mentioned this. It's is Alex Furlong. Alex Furlong is Emilio Estevez. And, and also, Emilio Estevez was about to kill himself. He goes, what's the oh, point yeah. in anything? And he picks out a picks up a gun. He's about to shoot himself in the head, but that's the story that brings it back. That, that's like, when the eagle story. Yeah, he's like, yeah. you're right. So he's cheerleaded on. And yeah, then he's we, like, that eagle story really put the wind back in my sails. Yeah, so. It's so they hard cut to Renee Russo, and she is now with her bodyguard. We find out this guy's name is Boone. This is probably... I, I'm just gonna say probably this is absolutely my favorite side character. Of the yeah, yeah, Boone film. is a badass. Mm. He's wearing like this dope ass suit. Um, he's got like a, a ninja sword and a rifle for some Yeah, reason. this guy, this guy is everything I wanted to be in every video game. Yeah, Mike's totally right. Samurai sword, handgun. You also think he's maybe up to something the whole time, and I'm gonna spoil it right now. He is not. This dude no. is locked you, in. You think he's like he's out to get someone but he's not he's just he's there for the yeah party. like Ren who, uh, the, the backstory of this movie the prequel is Rene Russo 
hanging around with this dude and just ninja assassinating their way up the corporate ladder. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I, I totally love Boone. Boone is totally cool. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love this guy. So her, him, Boone and Rene Russo, what's Rene Russo's character? Julie. Name? Julie. Yeah. Boone and Boone and Julie are talking about it. And uh, Julie, Julie's like, I, I know where he would go. Cause now she's, she's committed to knowing she, she, she knows who he is. He, he, she believes, um, and she's bummed that he's on the run. So she's like, Boone, I know when he's upset where he would go. Like, you got to help me out. So they go to like a hobo camp. I don't know why Emilio Estevez was hanging out in hobo camps in 1991. That's where you go. Well, like it, 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 it's not like they go to like a place. She just walks to like a hobo camp and that's where he is. And so she doesn't see him within 30 seconds of being there. She's like, well, I guess I don't know where he is. And she's about to give up. And then he pops out. He's like, nope, I'm here. It's true. You were right. Yeah. And she just basically highlights this whole backstory on how she knows who Mick Jagger is. He's the best hunter there is. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be aware of this guy. Right. Uh, He hacked security. So this is where we find out how, one, how Emilio Estevez got into the apartment. It was a setup. Mick Jagger opened up the security so they could just walk right in. Yeah, I, I love that that was addressed. I actually thought that was really solid writing. Mm-hmm. Then we see, uh, you know, Emilio Estevez look o- almost to the cityscape, and he sees that he is wanted for $10 million. Yeah. And the, the scene definitely reminded me of Running Man or Blade Runner. It's this, this huge high-tech video screen. And yeah. I do like the playful banter. Rene Russo's like, ah, you're not worth that much. And he's like, oh, really? And they're like, ah. Oh, you, you are They're back. 18 years later, she's not married. She's not with anyone else. She has just been waiting for 18 years because mm-hmm. when you free jack people, you never know what's going to happen. She's career-focused. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, every, every time anyone looks to the skyline, it is immediately blade runner yeah um minus flying cars minus the flying cars and like the oil derrick flames right um if they could afford it they would definitely uh, put it in if they had the budget for it yeah Yeah. they would have you you knew they wanted i have a couple quick scenes that then they're at a club bar and renee russo has some kind of contact yeah they meet her contact because they go to this place because it's this place is on the fringe oh yeah and then alex uh gets drunk and mike noted as we were watching this is he taking some kind of truth drug? Because he asked her this drink from a bartender guy. He's like, here, take this. And then this newscaster comes over and starts asking him questions. And he is just opening up freely. I'm a race car driver. I'm a free jack. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. Like the bartender walked up because he was sitting at the bar and the bartender was like, so first of all, the bartender had a drink in his hand when he walked up. He to was him. waiting for this. And he said, this is a big moment. Do you want a drink? And he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm in the future. Why not? And he hands him the nondescript blue liquor again and he drinks it. And then he just loses his goddamn mind. And this weird, yeah, like a reporter. She says she's from the club channel, yeah. which, which makes me think she just walks around this club interviewing patrons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you just, you just drank drugs? Yeah. Oh, let me ask you some honest questions. Mm-hmm. And and he's he's open to the fuck up. He's like, yeah, I'm a race car driver. Like, I'm worth $10 million. She's like, actually, it's 15 now. They upped it. She's like, great. It's fucking dope. I'm $15 million. <laughs> yeah, to intermesh this, I don't remember which, what the sequence is, but... One, they eventually just get out. Like, uh, Rene Russo's contact uh, sees this on the news on the club channel that has happened to be watching the club channel. Yeah, he throws like, like oh. a smoke grenade down and they run away. Yeah, yeah. and but 
somewhere in all this, they cut to Mick Jagger and he's playing a future video game. It's called Vortex. And I think this is one, a real video game. And two, it looks like it's 1982 Atari. Like, what the hell I'm is the future so video game? I'm glad you wrote that down. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what that was. Thank you. I mean, I don't know if that's a real video game, but that's what he was playing. I thought that was a real video game. I don't know if this is like a, I'm a retro enthusiast because then I could dig it. But I really think they tried to market what we saw as like this weird future video game where just spirals and nonsense and he loses at it. He's like, oh, yeah, he here's what I do in my free time. <laughs> that, yeah. that was a non sequitur to just make Jagger hanging out. <laughs> yeah, the, the future spent all their their resources on free jacking and blue liquor and they didn't have time to advance video yeah, games. Yeah, also the one, the video game that he was playing in 2009, if you bought that as a 99 cent app, you just got ripped off. But like this, this would have come on your Nokia phone from 1997. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, that probably still works. Your Palm Pilot? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so they they escape the club and now they're back in what what is the the friend's name like Blake or Dingus? I don't, I don't know we, if I no we we, we, we talked it. about it. Um, that guy. Yeah. Someone told Sherbert? me what, <laughs> it's Sherbert. <laughs> so they're back at Sherbert's apartment and his apartment is I decorated with too. like giant paper mache feet and hands for some reason. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's weird. Um, and. Uh, like you know, Emilio and Sherbert are talking, um, and Emilio uh, Rene Russo goes to like the bedroom to call. It's it's Mark. Mark. Okay. <laughs> oh God. No, I think Sherbert's better. <laughs> so do I. Uh, Rene Russo goes to the bedroom to call Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, and he's like, she's like, you got to help me out. Like, here's the thing: who who free jacked him? Like, what's going on? Sherbert. And, <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins is like, I can't. You know, I don't know. It's like it's all classified. Like, I can't tell you because I presume. Like, I think what we're led to believe at this point is that uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins' company, the one that Rene Russo works for, is the one that does the free jacking. Yeah. But it's all you know. It's all confidential. No one knows. There's like a HIPAA thing. Um, but as, as Rene Russo is asking him questions, uh, she's getting suspicious with his answers. So this is where we kind of get the first, the first glint that maybe, maybe Sir Anthony Hopkins, who again is on a TV screen and has not yet been physically yeah. in this movie, that he, he might be up to something. Again, going back to community, isn't this how they put together one of Abed's movies that they just spliced everything? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then speaking of community, we're now, we cut to Buzz Hickey who is in his like future office and somehow he has the nun. He has, yep. He, well, what's her name? Uh, baby doll, uh, honey bunny, honey bunny. He, he has honey bunny. Like I don't, this woman was never mentioned again. Somehow he knew that she talked to him, that something went down. So he has honey bunny in the office. Um, and he's questioning her. And then this is the last time we see honey bunny. That is true. Um, this scene goes absolutely nowhere. It's, it's very weird. Um, now, now we've got Renee and we've got Emilio. They're in the limo. They're going somewhere. Um, we don't know where, but they're they're going to like take care of some business. Um, and she gives him back the necklace. Throwback. She gives him back, back the necklace. With yeah. his necklace. So so now it's like we we trust each other. Um, they they park somewhere. Do we know where where they're going? Was this explained? I'm trying to look at it in my notes too. Like so, I, I actually, they are just driving around and kind of just explaining the situation. Right. There's a lot of exposition right here. Um, but they, they end up going somewhere. They park somewhere. Uh, what, what's the driver's name? Is it Boone? Boone. Yeah. Boone gets out with this, a samurai with, sword. With a, guy, a, with yeah. a fucking samurai oh, God, sword. Yeah. Um, and they, they're like, they're walking somewhere away from the car. 
Yeah, I don't and, remember where they're going, but I do have part of the dialogue that okay, Emilio Estevez is with Boone. And this is one of my favorite lines. And it, so, again, you know, it kind of just led to believe that everyone's going to fake you out. And yeah. it's kind of now led to believe that maybe Emilio Estevez and Rene Russo, they do have a bond. But still, like, everyone else is against this. This is weird. They're dragging people in and out of the future and the past. And Boone's walking with them. And I kept thinking, this guy's going to turn on you. There's a $10 million reward. Right. But he and doesn't. He doesn't. This is, what, this is why I love Boone. And Boone basically highlights... You know, there's this huge group of people that are rooting for you. And this is, makes me think this mm. is the running man again, that there's this, you know, uh, huge like homeless community and underclass community. And, you know, they're all rooting for you because you didn't ask for this. And, you know, you represent them. And he's like, here's the thing. And, you know, Milo Besso is actually playing it off. He's like, well, OK, like whatever. He's like, no, here's the thing. My grandmother is one of those people. And as long as you make her smile, you know what? I will basically die to protect you. He says, yeah. like, I'll always stick with you. And totally does. He, he totally yeah. does. And th this kind of leads uh, to understanding of a subplot that isn't really explained or shown. But after that weird reporter talks to him in the club, like, and this is broadcast and the world knows that uh, Emilio Estevez, former race car driver, was, was free jacked. He's become kind of like a folk hero. Like, yeah, my he, you know, it was like he was like Robin Hood. When yeah, he's like Robin thing. Hood. Like mm -hmm. the underclass are rooting for this guy to get away because like the rich are just free checking people yeah. left and right. Um, to I don't know if we ever do we explain why the free jacking was taking place. It, rich people who want to extend their life will free jack. Yeah, he's going to Mr. Burns you. He's going to Mr. Burns you to harvest your organs in a much more efficient <laughs> right. way. But uh, 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 <laughs> I almost said Bojack Horseman. Um, <laughs> Bone Jacks? <laughs> we, we'll, we'll get to the, the Bone Jackers, yeah. But uh, Buster Poindexter explained, he's like, we can't use people from now, otherwise they just abduct people, but, like, Earth fucking sucks now, so, like, these people have, like, lead poisoning. Like, everyone who's alive now who's poor and would be would be free jacked, we can't use because their bodies suck. And, my, and Mike had this earlier on. We were, I don't remember what the exact quick cut is, but we see Mick Jagger again, and that's when I noted, wow, this guy actually sounds like Jermaine, just like a younger voice than Jermaine. Was this oh, the yes. scene where he's like eating M&Ms from like a future pill dispenser for some reason? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. I, I, just, I try to note scene to scene, and sometimes I just don't mention things because I'm like, it's like that. It's like person right. eating snacks. I'm like no yeah. one cares. <laughs> he's but, feasting on snacks. <laughs> but, but more importantly, it was, wow, this guy sounds like Jermaine. He does sound like Jermaine. So yeah, like uh, Boone and, and Emilio are walking to where the fuck they're going with a samurai sword and the limo explodes. And then we see, we've got Mick Jagger there with his space ball bone. Jackers. I think it just might've been Mick Jagger was after them. And, Mick then, Jagger and then, was they, after then they had to just like pull off the road and just make a run for it. Right. But then like, there's a, there's a secondary assault team who we don't know who hired them, but we can assume. And the bone jackers are like, Oh shit, there's other bros here. And the other bros are like, Oh fuck, there's bone jackers. Always bros and bone jackers. And there's this huge battle. Things are exploding. Um, Bone Jackers versus the other guys. And Boone is samurai swording people. And Boone like, is yeah. sword in hand, handgun in hand. This is the ninja move that I wanted. Damn it, Boone, I love you. Mm -hmm. But some guy pops up and pops a shot right into Boone's side. Yeah, Boone um, then stabs him directly in the chest, which is awesome it's, as hell. Yeah, and is, one of his final words is, "Keep my grandma smiling." I told you this guy until yeah. the end. Like this is the yeah. mercenary you wanted, yeah. Rene Russo. You hired at the absolute best. Yeah, he was the best. Yeah, he 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 sends. Uh, Emilio on his way after he stabs this guy says keep my grandma smiling and then like a as the bone jackers are closing in he pulls out a grenade and just blows everyone up yeah I said he blowed up the photon police that were tracking him because again they're wearing these weird photon helmets he did yeah so 
now the the, the B squad and Mick Jagger are both like they're kind of after each other, but also after Emilio. Oh, we we skipped one thing a Did while we? ago. I, well, I'm just remembering now. It was kind of a very quick cut, but when Rene Russo met her contact Mark, he's like, you know what? You probably should just tell your boss what's Who? going on. Uh, Mark was the contact. Sherbert. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. And he's like, you should literally tell your boss. This is beyond me. Like, I can't get this guy out of the city, but your mega millions, you know, Elon Musk boss could do it. Mm-hmm. And so she tells him all this stuff. As uh, I think we alluded to that, but she opens up for all these reasons. And now we kind of get back to uh, maybe this guy wasn't being super honest about the situation. Yeah, we, we yeah, he, he was probably not. Um, the, so Spoiler, the, he's not. He's not, no. The, the battle kind of concludes. Uh, the Bone Jackers and Emilio and the, the B-Squad, they're all shooting each other. Uh, Emilio electrocutes one of the space ball looking guys. That was fun. That was fun. Um, and then... Uh, so th- then Mick kind of corners Emilio and they talk it out. And this is like phase two of them becoming bros. Yeah. They're, they're, um, so Emilio Estevez wasn't like, he has a, basically a gun to Mick Jagger's head or, or he has the upper hand with a gun. Right. And, but they're, they're talking it out. And yeah, he's like, was, why didn't you kill me before? And he's like, it's hard to make friends in this business. Yeah. Like they're, yeah, they're, <laughs> I love Mick Jagger in this movie. They're getting to know each other. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think Mick Jagger is this. I think this is why I love okay. him. He's like, this future is my present. But it's really crappy. Screw this. Who's this guy? This guy seems cool. I hate all these people I live with, but this guy from the past is dope. <laughs> <Let's hang out. laughs> I, think, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I love I love Mick Jagger's yeah, character. He was comfortable with working for the other guy, but he meets... He was um, like, Alex I was working for like, money yeah, yeah, until yeah. I met a friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I love it. So uh, Mick kind of gets the upper hand here, but then he says, you know what? I'm going to give you like a head start to escape. <laughs> so <laughs> Emilio Esmez just like kind of cheeses it out of there. And then... All of a sudden, from behind him, there's the big red sports tank. Yeah, the big, the big red cobra hiss. The, the cobra hiss, and uh, he starts shooting, shooting the gun at it because he has a gun still. And then Renee pops out of the little hatch, and she's like, "Bro, get up in this tank. It's me." And then, and then they contact Jonathan Banks, who's like, or they contact you know the major corporation, and Jonathan Banks answers, you know, "Come in. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to offer you safe passage. You know, yeah. you know, trust me. You know, you, you'll know what's going on." And so, at the simultaneously, this is also a neat moment. That McJagger and his entire crew are like, wait, wait, what's going on with this? Like, where's Emilio Estevez's character going? They're like, he's driving right into the layer of the like the belly of the beast. Yeah. And McJagger's like, mm-hmm. I yeah. like this guy. This guy is so cool. <laughs> McJagger and his whole crew. So, like, spoiler, and you'll see this, you know, come to pass. McJagger and his entire crew are like, I love this guy so much. Let's just go have his back. Like, and they will eventually do this. Yeah. But it's I just love the turn of events with Mick Jagger and everyone he works with. It's like, it is basically piracy at its most. Like you read cool stories about pirates being like, yeah, I just don't kill everyone. Like you're a cool dude. Like you could hang out. Oh, you're a jerk. I'm going to kill you. And I also steal gold. Like that's who Mick Jagger is in this film. I love this character. Yeah, no, he, he's, he, he's on board. He just thinks this guy is the tops. Yeah. Boone is oh. my favorite side character. Mick mm-hmm. Jagger is my favorite character. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Buzz Hickey, what, what's his name? Doesn't matter. They agree to go meet him in person. He's gonna like tell him what's going on. So they get to the the big future tower. Um, they they go up to the top floor and and Buzz Hickey explains what's going on. He's like, 
So this is where I wrote space coffin. Yeah, and there, so, there is a space. Coffin. So in Voltron, if anyone watched Voltron, oh I don't know about the newer Voltrons, Voltron would go to space and the bad guys would launch out seriously like this, you know, one story coffin that is like always super <clears throat> weird. Like and a coffin would be floating in space. And every time Voltron would have to defeat someone, the coffin would open into a new mechanical monster. And I wrote, is this a space coffin in Voltron? Because that's exactly what it looks you like. Explained it's super it perfectly. That's exactly what <laughs> that it is was. what it looks like. But it's it doesn't it doesn't do that. Um, inside of it is Anthony. Ho- well, we don't see that it's Anthony Hopkins, but it's referenced that it's Anthony Hopkins. He, and and Buzz Higgy's like, so this what's his name? McGillicuddy? Jonathan Banks? No, no, the <laughs> McCandles. Uh, <laughs> McCandless. McCandless. But Lamar mentioned it's spelled like McCandles, it's and Mc, now I can't Mc, see anything else. So the, yeah, Anthony Hopkins is is Mr. McCandles, um, and he's in a casket in the next room. So he's been dead for a little while. Um, and Hickey's like three so, days, three days. And uh, Buzz Hickey's like, so he's been dead for a few days. And he has like an hour left. He has an hour left, like th- on the on the spiritual switch on the spiritual switchboard. You're the body that he wanted, but I am just going to let him die so that I can take over this company. Um, so we do find out this is the twist that he did want your body. We still don't know why. Right, we so still that don't know IMDb why. summary does highlight the twist, but right. we still don't know why. He right. So this is where body. we find out that the billionaire wanted his body, but we don't know why. But anyway, Buzz Hickey doesn't give a shit because he's like, I'm just going to let him die. You can do whatever the fuck you want because I'm going to take over this company and you can fuck off. Um, and he's like, you know what? You can just go down the elevator and leave. That's fine. I don't care. But it's a trap. It is a trap. Mm-hmm. So they go to the elevator and they're raised to level 200 well, in no, this tower. First, they're going down to the first level. Oh, oh yeah, you, you, Yes. That's where, true, where there's that's like true. a death squad yeah, waiting yeah. for them. But Mick Jagger to the rescue. Yeah, Mick- as soon as the lobby door opens and you think Emilio Estevez and Rene Russo right. are going to be gunned down. Uh, Mick Jagger and the crew were like, oh, hell no. And they bust in and shoot all of those people, which yeah. is going to be twist to another twist to yeah. another twist. It's, it's a it's twisting a, layers. It yeah. is a swirl of twists. Right. <laughs> so then the the elevator, they don't get out of the elevator. They see this and they're like, well, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah, hell no. Then they're launched up to floor Then, then they go up to floor which 200. Is, which floor 200 is just the spiritual It's the spiritual switchboard, yeah. Um, and... They get up there and they they like walk down this weird hall and then we have what to me was the longest scene in the world of just like weird lawnmower man shit. Uh, Mike, I literally yeah. you could literally say I wrote lawnmower man and I also <laughs> wrote next to it awful CG yes. computer so graphics. This was I got lawnmower man reference. Yes, all right, <laughs> we, got, we, we got the so trifecta. We got, it all. We got it all. That's the hat trick. Yeah, we did it. So. Yeah, it's like they're flying through like meta space. Yeah, and this like, is what everyone wanted VR to be like in '91. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they wanted lawnmower man. They, they, we didn't. Though. And well, people got it, and then they were like, "VR sucks." Yeah, it does suck. <laughs> Not as much as Rabbit Troop. Rabbit Troop owns it. Rabbit Troop <laughs> does suck. That VR sucked. So after like a 35 minute lawnmower man montage for some reason they're like on this weird spiritual plane i I thought i I thought i wrote hobgoblin anthony hopkins but it was hologram anthony hopkins you know what hobgoblin (laughs) anthony hopkins can work as well um (laughs) but then hobgoblin anthony hopkins walks out and he's like 
Well, he says, welcome to my mind. Welcome to my mind. <laughs> and then it's like, you know what? Uh, th- this movie isn't weird enough. I'm just going to explain to you what's happening <laughs> so you can stop thinking about it. But it's a twist. It's a twist. He's like, here's here's the deal. Yeah, he's like, I've been a silly old man. And right. they're like, why did you want my body? And he's like, he's like well, because I really want to bone Rene Russo. Like, and I Ju- figured I would Julie, have a better chance in your body. Julie, I, I always loved you. And I knew you loved him. And. Through the series of rewatching the events of the crash and you running towards it, I knew you loved this man and I wanted to be this man, but I've been a silly old man. So, <laughs> like the Wizard of Oz, and I wrote that to the side and I underlined it, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I'm going to grant all of my power to you, Alex, all of my power and all of my money. Yeah, so because I've been a silly old man, so I need you to enter a sequence of numbers on a <laughs> dial code oh, for some God. reason. Yes, yeah, so what he's conceding is like, I'm. you're, you're right, Like I, I've been a huge bitch. Um, I'm going to let you just take my place because everyone thinks that I'm going to look like you, so you, I'm going to just kill myself, and you're going to pretend to be me, and you're going to have my billions, you're going to bang Rene Russo like I want to do, it's going to be dope. All you have to do is enter my like social security number <laughs> twice into this dumb computer. And and Emilio Estevez is like, yeah, all right. And does it. All right. Well, he does it the first time. And you can like the Anthony Hopkins hologram <laughs> is like sweating and chewing his fingernails. Like, oh, you must have done it wrong. He's He's like, you got to do it twice, the, dude. This hologram, this hologram is smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, he is smoking a cigar. Oh, yeah, he's damn. like, oh, yeah, you've got to do it twice. Yeah. Um, and then like halfway through doing it, Emilio's like, Wait a minute, you're stalling. Yeah, I don't think this is I don't think this is chill at all. Um and then then Buzz Hickey comes in and fucks things up. He shoots the machine. He's like, This is bullshit. I want yeah, because, I want all of you to die so I can be the next. Yeah, Anthony again, the, yeah, this character is going to be the next in line to take over this corporation. Right, he's, yeah, I don't know if we ever talked about that. Yeah, Buzz Hickey is like oh, the senior executive of of the McCandles. We probably didn't talk about that because he does, you know, make a deal with Rene Russo and Emilio Estevez. He's like, you know, I don't care what you guys do. You know, I'm just going to take over this corporation, and then they go down an elevator, and that's why people are going to shoot him in a lobby, right? Because uh, he's like, ah, kill him. But now, yeah, he's like back in. He's like, whoa, 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 I'm still going to take over this business and. And that's just not in the cards for this fella. So my next note is Emilio and Anthony Hopkins doing the mind meld. What happens to Buzz Hickey in between this? Okay, so he's just kind of standing there. He's like, okay, what's going on? And so it's, I can't remember how many seconds they say, but they're like, there's like 25 seconds of upload to this mind well, meld. No, doesn't, doesn't he get killed before the mind meld? He does not because there's I, a deal with Mick Jagger. Who's who? That's they have to convince Mick Jagger. Right, but like Buzz Hickey didn't want the mind meld to happen. He does not, but he I don't know what prevents him from stopping it. Does 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 Mick Jagger show up before he so there's a 20 second mind meld. I can't remember exactly how it stopped, but it is stopped, and then Mick Jagger breaks in and was like, Whoa, whoa, what's going on? And uh yeah, that okay. dude Banks is like Hey man, you still work for me. And Mick Jagger's like, yeah, I totally still work for you. And you have to kill Emilio Estevez. He's like, I'm going to. And Emilio Estevez goes, I'm not Emilio Estevez. Yeah. So we're, yeah. Okay. I don't, there, there, I, I clearly missed something, but yeah, there, whatever, for whatever reason, Emilio and computer generated Anthony Hopkins end up trying to do this mind meld where Anthony Hopkins is going to go into a And Emilio Estevez is trying to fight this. And he's trying to fight it. Um, but so, like some amount of seconds, there was like yeah. a quote unquote like mind mesh mind yeah. melt, and you don't know what's going on. Yeah, and so now we're now as an audience and everyone we're thinking 
who's who. Right, I mean, we we don't know who's yeah, who. And, and uh, yeah, Emilio Estevez says like I'm uh, like McCandles, <laughs> like whatever, and he's like. How can you prove that? Right. It's, yeah. And, and he's like, you can't kill me. I'm t- I'm your boss. Like Banks is my employee and you're my employee. Banks is saying you're his employee. I'm I'm McCandless. Right. Or- it's, it's the classic like who's who. And uh, Mick Jagger like references some random nerd who's in the room. Like, like you, science guy, like which one's which? And the nerd's like, I, I don't know. Like it happened for 20 seconds. It could be could be anything yeah like, he's like super dorky too he's like i don't know like, sir like oh gosh golly <laughs> yeah. golly you willikers I, I couldn't tell you i know we're um, running like a hundred billion dollar operation here right but like, this is day one for me so, I, I was just told where the vending machine right. was so then then buzz hickey's like you know what what's one thing that mccandles would there, only know like it's like yeah. his employee id it's number. employee id number, but it's that number that he had to enter in twice earlier oh, it's not no well, he uses it, it, it yeah. <laughs> that, that's what he tries to be well yeah you're getting ahead of yourself and and so then Emilio Estevez is like, yeah, you piece of shit. I know what this is. Yeah. Cause and, I'm the candles and I'm going to reference this number. And, and he starts and, reciting this number. Yeah, and Banks is like, no, you don't. And it starts off really. So we all laugh. Right, all like, three of us in this room. <laughs> he's like, then t- Mick Jagger's like, tell me the number. So he picks up this like hand coded machine. He's, he's like, like, I'll enter it. He's like, like tell me the six. Number. Yeah. He goes, it's six. And then and like 30 there, seconds. Yeah. There is a huge pause on this. We're all looking at each other. Like, is it one? Or, six, your employee yeah. six? Would you not be employed? Right. And then there's like fourteen yeah, more then numbers. Yeah, like six, two. I know that's the next number, but then it, then he speeds it up because Banks is like, oh no, and it's six, two, four, five, three, seven. And McJagger is you know entering it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, He's are, like, you are correct. You are correct. You are McCandles. And then and then they, then they gun down this dude. And then not just he, but everyone in the room well, shoots Buzz Hickey. They were done with that guy. They were done. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Emilio Estevez is McCandles. Yeah. As far as we know. And, and he looks to Rene Russo like, you must wear a better dress. Right. I'm you're, taking her and we're getting out of here. You're not, you don't look hot enough. And then they go down to his, and he, they get into like this weird model T Ford. Yeah. It's the, like the most old car in the world. It's also, I'm wondering what the time lapse is here because there's going to be about in a second, a reveal to Rene Russo. Yeah. But she had to get a dress. She was fitted for a dress. They put well, her in a dress. Also, they probably had lunch. There's probably like five hours. R- Rene Russo believes that he is McCann. Yeah, that's what. That's why I'm saying this. Yeah. Like yeah. there was probably five hours of them together during this dress. And that's why I was right. like, they probably got a lunch. I they got, all that. got some iced teas. They had an afternoon nap. Like, right. Like now they're in this car. Like right. they've only now like. It was like that one moment was like, I'm at candles to now. Apparently that's the last time any of these two have seen one another. <laughs> right. So they, they get into this car and, and uh, Emilio slash McCandles is, tells the drivers like, I'll drive, I'll drive this time. <laughs> so it's just him and her in the car. And then they drive out of the, you know, the rich people complex and it's like ambush by Mick Jagger. All of his, his hiss tanks are there and all of his space balls. And Mick Jagger, there's like dune buggies too. There's, yeah, there's, there's like, dune there's like buggies. a rag, uh, ragtag right, yeah. crew of people. It's like a weird paramilitary assembly. Mick Jagger walks up to the window of this old car. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, 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 I knew you would mess up one day. Right, like you slipped up. Uh, McCandles can't drive. And it's like, it's looking to be like this, oh shit, big reveal. Then he's like, you'll have to do better next time. 
bro. No, yeah, he, so. t- he tells Rene Russo's character because it's kind of reference like you're gonna have to tell him to act the part oh, right because yeah. he's like, I know you know, and I knew, I know Alex knows Emilio West West, but Rene Russo doesn't know. She's like, whoa, right. what? You're Alex? He's like, yeah, I've been yeah, yeah of the- course I am. Yeah, and I've been so, Alex the whole time. And then like she, I could have told you for five hours. Yeah. I was getting <laughs> right. dressed the whole time. Right, she's fucking stoked. Emilio and Mick are like bros again. I love it. I actually understand. Uh, Mick Jagger's perspective as a character, it's everyone I worked with has been a horrendous a-hole, a massive <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and with all that said, I'm done. If you're my boss, you don't care what I do. Hell right. yeah. Check in, bro. Like, we're totally friends. We're going to run this world. There should have absolutely been a sequel to this film. I can't. Is yeah. there any other sequence after the... Like, no, I don't yeah, think so. Like, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah it's like Rene Russo is like, awesome. We're gonna. She's like, are we going to really do this? And he's like, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, they have like uh, $1 billion, $100 billion and right. an army at their disposal. There may have been, there may as well have been like a three-way freeze frame high five. That's how <laughs> this movie ended. Yeah, it was awesome. Mick Jagger, again, my favorite character. Boone, yeah. you were my favorite side character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boone did a good job. And we we didn't should go- have stayed after the credits. Did we see any after credits? I don't no. think there was anything. There was not a jazz outro, but it was like definitely like, <laughs> may as well have been. like some weird like hair metal band. It was like, wow, we're done free jacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there was no free jacking song, which I feel like was a missed opportunity. Um, but so I just want to get this out of the way. Like one, I do really like this movie. I thought it was fun. It was fun. Um, like all of the acting was actually pretty solid. Um, it was, it was dated. It felt dated, but it was, it was yeah. fine. Like of if, if this movie was made with like today's money and not in a dumb way, I think this is a good movie. Cause I think like the plot is pretty sound. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, like taking people from time. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this, was this if this was remade they could be done pretty well well mike you and i were talking before we met with lamar um what was the christopher lambert film that's uh he's in some maximum security prison it's oh the- um shit it's not soldier it's uh you i remember you mentioned this mm-hmm. to me before someone should look this i'm up gonna really look it up you guys talk because i know there's stuff. a sequel that doesn't have him that i have never seen and that should totally be on our obscure list but okay. it, that the movie that mike is looking up uh, this just kind of puts in a time frame for me that these are the movies that my friends and I would ha- like rent like four or five at a time and have sleepovers and you know I was much younger and various other fortress things. yeah fortress yeah. Hey, I mean, we could do fortress go. we could do fortress one and two hell um, but this just kind of puts it in a time context where you know there's a lot of fun films but yeah some of the CG the editing it's with those graphics that is it's just really rough it's really dated but. Was this movie fun? Yeah, I said, you know, a couple of things along the way that I didn't like. The jazz opening, the jazz sax opening, I didn't like. There's a couple of things that I need, thought needed to be fleshed out. But was this movie fun? Yeah, like all the references that I noted. Back to the Future 2, Running Man, uh, Voltron. Uh, what, what else do we have on the Blade Runner? Clearly, yeah. all those things, like they're clearly homages to all these films. Are they successful? No, but would I watch this movie again? Hell yeah. Like I, I told Mike actively, yeah, I was excited to watch this film. I, I was excited to watch it as well. And yeah, like to reference some of the other kind of cyberpunk movies that we've talked about throughout this, this episode, Lawnmower Man for mm-hmm. one. Um, I think Johnny Mnemonic came up as well. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the Denzel Washington vehicle that we were talking about watching with, uh, 
Russell Crowe as the bad guy. Oh, Virtuosity. Virtuosity. Yeah, we could totally watch So, that. like, out, out of all the kind of, like, weird cyberpunk shitty CGI movies of this era, like, this movie isn't stupid. The plot makes kind of sense, unlike Johnny Mnemonic or Lawnmower. I mean, I, Lawnmower Man is a Stephen King thing, yep, right? Yep, short story. Um, which sucks, like most I, Stephen King Well, films. one thing I really like about Emilio Estevez's character, I feel like he almost has a superpower. And hear me out, because this is really to his benefit. Anytime this dude is in a vehicle, that's a superpower. Like, this dude will get away. Well, he's a Formula One driver. But but that's why I love it. So it's like, (laughs) I wanted to get this guy, but holy crap, this is Speed Racer, like Racer X style, like right there. Like, oh crap, like if we're ever in a highway pursuit, this guy ever gets into a vehicle, like we're destroyed. And I kind of dig it for that reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it it works out like it's... Compared to the other cyberpunk movies of the era, the plot kind of makes sense. It's interesting. It's not like ridiculous. It doesn't. I mean, I know there is that like longer than it needed to be lawnmower man scene where they're sure. like flying through the that thing. That was rough. That was super rough. That was, yeah, yeah, that was a bummer. And I mean, that, like, but no one's like doing bad acting in it. It's just, no, it's just like yeah. it was. Tr- they were like, we're going to showcase technology sure. for like 90 seconds. Also, it's it probably and it fucking uh, sucked. Yeah. And it probably must have been super awkward for the actors. I mean, you have like, you have. I mean, Emilio Estevez is huge, and I know he's doing more with acting. Also, side note, Disney Plus. I heard Emilio Estevez is, I mean, from articles I heard. I read in articles that he's not going to be in the new Mighty Ducks season. Come on, let's bring that back. No one gives a shit about that Mighty Ducks. Damn it, I do. And side note, uh, that that you have Rene Russo and Anthony Hopkins of the time. Sir Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) Sir Anthony We have a knight of the realm in this And can you imagine doing this, like, early retro prototype version of, like, green screen and VR? Because they're all like, what? Anthony Hopkins? head just floating around uh this is the kind of uh uh editing that you would see from blackjack pizza commercials at four <laughs> in the morning where uh nuggets athletes and broncos athletes have pizza swirling around their heads that's true <laughs> like we're we're one star swipe away from like a little caesar's commercial i didn't find the cgi too if it's it no i meant specifically in that scene oh, oh that scene <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah, just, the, it just went on too long yeah, the but, CGI, but that vr is awful but yeah like the the as compared to these other movies, the actors here have less to be embarrassed about than Denzel sure. Washington yeah, yeah. does. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, I like I said, I I thought this movie was super fun. I would gladly watch it again if they wanted to remake this movie with like modern technology and not fuck with the plot too much. I'm in for it. What What did you guys think about? This Have movie? Emilio Estevez as the villain. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Switch I, roles. Yeah, what Lamar. Like, like as what, Anthony what, Hopkins, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah that'd definitely. be super fun. Lamar, what are, what are your final uh, views on this film? I've said I've liked it start to finish. I had a couple mm-hmm. you know, quips with it, but nothing huge. I thought it was a lot of fun. This movie was, I agree with you guys, it was good. Um, a lot of fun for a cyberpunk 19, early 1990s movie that kind of portrayed what 2009 would be like. Uh, I just wanted to make a reference that this movie is based off a book by um, uh, author Robert Sheckley. Uh, the movie, uh, the book is called Immortality Inc. Okay. Uh, this book was written in 1958. Whoa. It's not a, really a book. It's more of a science fiction magazine article, just kind of short stories. Okay. I mean, you are selling me on this every which way. So uh, it's not based on a Philip K. Dick novel like every <laughs> other sci-fi movie from the 90s was? I, I did write down uh, Philip K. Dick because there's a lot oh, of totally. uh, references that I wanted to 
point toward um, Total Recall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there were some scenes, especially the cars. That's oh yeah, the, some of the cars that were driving around. Very Total they Recall. Totally cars. Me of Total yeah. Recall. Um, I, I do want to note in the future podcast that uh, episodes that is that Lamar is definitely a huge fan of Philip K. Dick and Isaac Asimov, and we should definitely get something one of those people have done uh, definitely for a Lamar. I, oh, thank you. We're yeah, all definitely. yeah in in this room a lot of Dick fans. Um, okay, I'm I'm not a big. That, I'm gonna turn that in. I'm gonna turn that into my ringtone. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, Douglas Adams, um, he gained a lot of influence off of um, Sheckley's writings, and I think interesting. This might yeah, be one of the books that he got some reference of um douglas adams hitchhiker's guide i yeah. don't know if you can find a connection to the two movies but or the two books but it'd be interesting to see oh i mean now that you said this book was from the 50s i'm sure this book is infinitely different uh but i like that the, like the idea i'm sure that the main focus is it still holds up and is what they're going for and just yeah. the whole um being a cyberpunk fan i was instantly and if you're not a cyberpunk fan you can probably look at this movie and say ah this little cheesy what is this you're not who you're supposed to be <laughs> i don't know There's a little um body um transference like mind transference that you get in the science fiction so, so i think a big science fiction trope is yeah one way or another you wake up boom where the hell am i something's happening this is not right you later find out you're not even in your timeline. Yeah. How the hell do I run and get the hell out of here? I am in for that story in any kind of context. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the kind of story that's kind of portrayed here, just with different elements. Good story overall. Well, Lamar, last time, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say, last time you were here, I should say that. Last time you were here, we did Disorderlies. Uh, based on the first time you were here, you were like, we should do Disorderlies, and we oh, did. Yes. Do you have any movies that you, you are wanting to do in the future? Is there anything that's, that's coming to your mind right now? Off the top of my head, no, especially after watching this movie. It's just everything's just... I want to kind of watch Total Recall right now. Damn, Lamar, <laughs> but, Lamar, Lamar just got free jacked. <laughs> but then I, my mind got free jacked to Total yeah. Recall. And, I, uh, but, dude, uh, dude, I love Total Recall. That's one of my top 10 movies, probably. Maybe 15. I don't think we can. I, it's too good. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like I'd, It would just be like a gush fest on Total Recall. But yeah. uh, thinking of um, movies that are, are kind of similar to this that not many people know about. Um, off the top of my head, I kind of like this movie for that reason. Hell yeah. yeah. Movies like this kind of get um, the focal point. They're kind of well known, whereas a sci-fi movie with a, kind of a premise like this, um, that doesn't get really a lot of push, you won't really hear about. And it's kind of like Free Jack, you'll hear about it later on in life it just goes under the radar yeah this is kind of that sweet spot for me where it's totally. like it's a movie that doesn't suck that i hadn't heard of um i we mean we should totally do fortress and go through movies like that i feel that okay I'm, I'm, i mean i've never seen fortress but i'm oh really yeah no i oh my I, god we've totally got to put fortress on the list but get ready for some weird i'm, I'm gonna do accents for, i love it I, I will do the whole thing oh in, my god in christopher lambert we, voice. we are a hundred percent gonna look up fortress in the future and find okay. out how to watch it uh dvd blu-ray some kind of streaming service well yeah we all I'm, of our movies are viewed legally yeah i, I yeah i'm super excited for this yeah this would 
we just did a Tubi to watch Free Jack. Yeah, it was on Tubi. And then next, I think it's going to be another Tubi watch. Yeah, uh, before we before we exceed the runtime of the movie for this <laughs> podcast, let's get the administrative stuff out of the way. And before we do, uh, fr- uh, I was going to say Free Jack again. Before we do Fortress, <laughs> uh, we will do another movie. Yeah. So as always, you could contact us at rabbittroopsuckspodcast at gmail.com or go directly to our website, rabbittroopsucks.com. The next movie we'll be covering is Highway to Hell from 1991. This stars Chad Lowe and Christy Swanson and has a crazy, crazy array of guest cameos, which will totally reveal. This movie is bonkers. There are, I'm going to spoil a little bit. There are four stillers in this yes. movie. <laughs> and I thought I dreamed this movie at one point in time, which I'll reveal in this uh, the next podcast where I didn't even know if fully that movie was real. But yeah, we're going to look at Highway to Hell. And, you know, Lamar, as always, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, thank you I, for having me. I think Fortress is going to be maybe the next time we get Lamar on. But yep, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to find that down. But as always, recording from Denver, Colorado, we just want to say, hey, and Rabbit Troop Sucks. Rabbit Troop Sucks. Rabbit Troop sucks. sucks.